you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. All right, I am torn today, I'm Rob. Part of me is happy. Part of me is really sad. I'm going to lean on you heavily in this episode to try to to probably get me to the positive side here. You're probably saying, like, why are you sad? Well, I'm sad because the NFL regular season, it's over. And, like, I feel like it's a race to get to the postseason. Now that we're here, I'm like, oh, did I savor the regular season enough? Do you Are you vibing with me? Do you feel the same way? I understand what you're saying, Yams, but I mean, this is no time to be sad, bro. It's the playoffs. It's a whole new season, right? You can get a seventh seed, find its way into the Super Bowl. So, no, you know, I mean, I mean it's bittersweet yet yeah, at the end of the season, but I'm excited. It's the playoffs. Yeah. Does it feel like the season went faster now that you're not getting hit anymore? Um, no, because Yams, I'm, I'm a guy that cannot sit down, cannot sit still. So what happens is, Work just seems to find its way into my life. So, no, um, this season went by extremely fast, just like it did when I was a player. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, all right. I, I think by the end of this episode, I'll, I'll get excited again and start thinking about the postseason. But today we're all about awards, right? Like guys who really have stood out, maybe a cut above the rest. We're going to go through everything. But look, you mentioned the postseason and potentially a seventh seed getting here. You know, one of the best things about the NFL, we always talk about the parity in this league. With the playoffs just about to kick up here, I just want to throw some things your way. Because I don't think people realize legitimately, Rob, how much parity there is. In 18 of the last 20 seasons, at least one team has won its division after finishing last the season prior. That's the Jags this year. What up? And maybe we're Mm. talking about Coach Peterson for Coach of the Year, which we'll do a little bit later here on this episode. In 19 of the last 20 seasons, at least two teams won their division after missing the playoffs the season before. So the Jags, Mm. an obvious one. And how about those Vikings? That offense, Justin Jefferson, maybe getting some love for Offensive Player of the Year, potentially. And Rob, and in the last 32 seasons 
Since the playoff format has been restructured, at least four teams have made the playoffs after missing the year prior. This year, check this out, man. It was six. The Ravens, the Chargers, the Vikings. Yeah, G-Men. All about those Giants. The Seahawks and the Jags. I can't get over, M-Rob, what it must be like to be a player in a locker room, start of the season, think about a lack of success that you might have had the season before and go, you know what? Let's just flush it because we can get there. That's what it's all about. And that's what makes what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick did for 20-something seasons in New England so special, right? Each year, they found a way to kind of reinvent themselves and understand that last year meant nothing about this upcoming season. And that's what you saw from all these teams. You talk about the Chargers, Vikings, Giants, Seahawks, and Jags, especially my Seahawks, man. They let Russell Wilson lead. They said, bye, Russell. Franchise quarterback, some people said a Hall of Famer, bye, Russell. We're going to take Geno Smith, your backup, and we're going to get to the playoffs with him. I mean, what a story. And we'll take the fifth overall pick uh, in this upcoming draft to just just yes. to boot. Let's not forget about that, Seattle fans. I know you have, and Denver fans would love to forget about that. Uh, today, though, this episode is all about awards, like I made reference to the individual awards that are going to be handed out at NFL Honors February 9th, 9 Eastern time in Phoenix, just a few days prior to Super Bowl 57, which will be on NBC and Peacock. They'll do the whole red carpet thing. I'm not a red carpet guy and Rob like you I, I know you probably you know more no. of a celebrity type no no that's you man that's Yams. I, I, I like watching from home carpet. no, no that's just, you gotta that's, go Yams you the man bro no man I'm in studio <laughs> I'm not gonna be heading down to Arizona I can tell you that you might be able to to get after it I got to imagine though <laughs> And, and maybe the headliner when it comes to the awards is all about the MVP. We've been going back and forth. You know, I would say, what, five, six weeks ago, it was pretty clear, at least in my mind, who was the MVP. I think that's changed up a little bit. So let's get to some of these candidates and who you think could be the guy. Uh, for me, Jalen Hurts was the guy that I would focus on a few weeks ago. I think that's changed a little bit. Patrick Mahomes, he wins his seventh straight division title. Jalen Hurts got a little banged up. Now, they still get the one seed in the NFC, so I don't know if that changes mm -hmm. some of the naysayers' minds. Joe Burrow, well, his squad obviously came on pretty strong, and I know you being the president of Bill's Mafia, you can make a strong argument for Josh yes. Allen. But let's start with Jalen Hurts. He's playing ridiculously good football. How much do you think what we saw last year affects our perception of him being the MVP this season? I don't think it affects it too much, just simply because if you watch Jalen Hurts throughout his football life, I'm talking, you know, high school, college, you know, and now in the National Football League, he's always gotten better. Whenever he's gotten an opportunity, he has showed up, he has performed. And so before this season, I'm thinking, well, the Philadelphia Eagles are giving him an opportunity. They gave him an animal on the outside in A.J. Brown. They have probably one of the top two or three offensive lines in all of football. He should take the next step. And for me, that's why, and I know there are going to be some Philly fans that don't like me for saying this. That's why I wouldn't put him as my top MVP candidate right now, just simply because so much around him, the team is legit. And, I'm, and look, I think his special ability to run the football is what, separates this team in bigger games. But I think Gardner Minshew in his limited time showed that he can operate this offense. Now, it was circumstances and all those... They didn't win, though. No, they didn't. And I was getting to that, Yams. They did not win. Okay. Sorry. You no, know, no, it's all I get good. a little excited there. <laughs> it's all good, but to me, the offense still functioned. 
to me, the offense still function. You still have guys, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, these guys one-on-one, they're going to win with a capable quarterback throwing them the football. It's not to say that Jalen Hurts shouldn't be in the running. It's not to say that Jalen Hurts is a scrub or anything like that. It's just to me. First of all, you got to understand my background, Yams. I'm going to get into a little story time, and then I'm going to shut up. I was a Heisman finalist, bro. Heisman finalist. You got to understand that. With uh, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Vince Young, and Brady Quinn and myself. We were the five finalists that year, right? And you, you got to understand, like, I remember Coach Paterno saying to the national media, all of these guys are great, but you got to, if you take any one of these guys off the team, how great would the team be, right? And that that was his kind of, you know, kind of um, singing my praises. That's kind of how I look at it with, with Jalen Hurts. No, I don't think they would be the number one seed, but I do think with another quarterback, the Philadelphia Eagles with their roster would be in the playoffs. And that's kind of where I look at other quarterbacks. Maybe, I don't know. I hate to say it because I'm president of Bills Mafia, but I mean, you can't deny what Patrick Mahomes has been doing. I, I know, I yeah. said it, Yams. I said it. You can't deny what Patrick Mahomes has been doing, especially without Tyreek Hill and his offense just continues to function. I think that pairing of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, it's tough to beat those guys for this individual award. We're talking about the MVP. Okay, so let's be real here. There's not a set criteria when it comes to how each individual is deciding who should be the MVP and who should not, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think what you're describing makes some sense here. But I think if I use your argument, I can story this as Justin Jefferson being the MVP then. Can't you? I mean, you think about impact on a team and we'll talk more Jefferson later, but I'm not disagreeing. Like if you said to me, hey, Patrick Mahomes wins, I go, oh, OK, cool. Like I get it. But I think the argument almost is now stronger for a guy like Jalen Hurts because they lost the games without him. And then it opens up the door. Well, wait a second. Look at the impact. Do you have to be, you know, one of the top, I don't know, two or three teams in the NFL to be the MVP in terms of the win-loss record? Well, I don't know if you got to be one of the top two or three teams in the league, but I do think you have to have team success. Like, I wouldn't give the MVP to a guy or to a guy on a team that didn't go to the playoffs. Sure. So when you talk about a Justin Jefferson, yeah, I do think he should be in the mix, but the quarterback position has so much to do, so many responsibilities. We're even looking at guys like Tom Brady who, we consider, I consider the GOAT the greatest winner at the quarterback position. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback to ever play. I don't think he's the great, the greatest physical quarterback to ever play. That's a whole nother different story. But he, I do think he is the greatest winner. With quarterbacks having to do so much these days, is that the MVP is turned into a quarterback award. I mean, Justin Jefferson no can be eliminated in games, right? We've seen him not have as many catches or whatever. Still has an impact on games because it opens up other guys. But you can have games where Justin Jefferson, from a number standpoint, just doesn't show up. At that quarterback position, I mean, every single facet of the game, you can even argue defensive facets of the game is affected by the quarterback. And that's why I think the MVP, at least in recent history, has turned into a quarterback award. Okay, so from a Jalen Hurts perspective, this is a guy who's the first player in NFL history with a season of at least 22 passing touchdowns and 13 rushing touchdowns. I think you can come up with any sort of statistical analysis for any of the top guys because Patrick Mahomes is thrown for over 5,200 yards. Guys got 41 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions, and all the Chiefs do is continue to win. And they did it this season without Tyree Kill. It sounds like Mahomes for you is the clear cut favorite. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Mahomes. 
it's hard from an MVP standpoint. I gotta I gotta take my fan hat off and not talk about the bazooka of an arm and Josh Allen. I gotta take my fan hat off and just look, you know, do this thing from an analyst standpoint. And um, yeah, to me, the red zone turnovers for Josh, it takes some points away from the MVP conversation. Patrick Mahomes, you take a weapon like Tyreek Hill away. And this offense continues to function. You continue to be explosive. And, you know, I think the biggest evolution of Patrick Mahomes is him just developing patience, not always throwing the football down the football field, taking what the defense gives him. And that opens up things later on in the game. To me, for that, yeah, I would give the, the 2022 MVP to Patrick Mahomes. Which leads me to the other two guys in the mix and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Burrow, statistically speaking, maybe a smidge worse than he was a season ago in some categories, maybe a smidge better. The point is, he's an absolute machine. And Josh Allen, we're actually witnessing history in the NFL, and I don't think it gets discussed nearly enough. Um, he's He's got the most rushing touchdowns of any player with at least 30 touchdown passes. I mean, guys just don't do what Josh Allen is capable of doing. And I would make this argument, Rob, if you like Patrick Mahomes, you know, two of the three losses that he has so far this season come at the hands of Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. So doesn't that automatically maybe give those guys an edge? Well, Shouldn't it? I wouldn't say automatically give the, those guys an edge because to win games is a team thing. It is. We're talking about an individual award and using a team metric to validate the individual, which again, I, I just said team success. You, you know, you want to, you want a guy that's on a successful team. I get it. I get yeah. all of that. Um, but at the end of the day, these are nuances we're talking about. These are very small differences in these guys. And again, if I'm a voter, I'm looking at team success. I'm looking at individual numbers, all of that. And yeah, those guys beat them head to head, but he still got the number one C. Yams. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head where you said, hey, this has become a quarterback award. There's a frustration level, and I get it. You played quarterback, but I also think of you as maybe the consummate team guy Mm -hmm. as well. And you understand this. For as much success as a team's going to have because of the play of their quarterback, there are certain defensive players that can swing the game in their team's favor just because of what they do on the field. And I don't think it nearly enough credit. Shouldn't we be talking about more defensive players in the mix for MVP. It almost never happens. And I get mad at stuff like that because those dudes really can dictate. The the special guys dictate uh, team success just as much, I think, in a lot of ways as the quarterback does. I think so. I think so. But according to the National Football League, the offense and, and putting points on the board puts viewer put uh, viewers' eyeballs on screens and put, seat, put butts in the seats. And so if that's the case, of course, the game is going to mold to help out those offensive guys. And who is the most important guy on offense, the guy who touches the ball almost every single play. To me, for a defensive guy to do it, it would have to be a guy. I mean, you'd have to get like 25 sacks. I mean, you would have to do something crazy, historic. Crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Have a sack in every single game, have big time plays to win the game. I mean, maybe Aaron Donald in 2018, if. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe Aaron Donald in 2018, but he had 20 and a half sacks, uh, 41 quarterback hits, and 25 tackle for losses. But they ended up losing the Super Bowl to New England. But maybe a guy like that with performance like that, but it's tough to see in a game of offense and when the rules kind of favor the quarterback and favor points being put on the board. You and I, a little bit later on this podcast, are going to talk about Defensive Player of the Year, and something tells me we'll love up some of those guys and some of those special performances from this season. But getting back to MVP here, Mm -hmm. if Mahomes, by the way, does win, he's going to join a couple of really notable quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Kurt Warner, with two MVPs. 
Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, and Jim Brown, they won three. Aaron Rodgers won four. And Peyton Manning has got the most with wow. a five spot. Mm, mm, and by the mm. way, Patrick Mahomes has got, he got a lot of tread still on those tires, man. That's what I'm a saying. A lot of tread there. And especially if Andy Reid just says, you know what? I keep losing weight, man. I'm feeling good. I'm just going to just carry this thing on out. And it doesn't seem like Eric yeah. B. Enemy going to get a head coach job no time soon. So the people calling plays and the people coaching the quarterback and the quarterback with this half a billion dollar contract, they're going to be there for a while. So yeah, he got a lot of tread left yeah. on that time. Hey, little side note here. I saw a quote and I'm paraphrasing here, mm -hmm. but it was about Joe Burrow and the window that that team has to win a Super Bowl. And his response, and I'm paraphrasing once again, was something like, the window is as long as my career. Like when you just say, yo, mic drop. Yo, I, that is like ultimate swag. I love seeing that. And it's borderline arrogant, but it is kind of cool to know your dude thinks in those terms. Man, the hell with that. That ain't arrogant. <laughs> that ain't arrogant. I hear what you're saying, borderline. But it ain't arrogant, for real. If I'm a guy on that team or in the front office, I'm like, hell yeah. No. Don't disrespect me by acting like we just got a window and this, that, and the third. You got Tom Brady playing for 25 years, and they saying I'm the next him. Oh, yeah, as long as I'm playing, we got a chance. I like that attitude by Joe Burrow. Yeah, no, I like it too. I said that I don't like it. It was, I, it brought a smile to my face. And at the end of the day, it, it, it's more than likely a two-player race right now with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, and we'll see how it all plays out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Am, M. Rob with you. M. Rob, one other thing here uh, as I move on to Offensive Player of the Year. I know I loved up Justin Jefferson a little while ago, and you mentioned the importance that Mahomes has on the Chiefs. I think it's almost like tenfold the importance that Jefferson has with the Vikings. Here's some facts here. Minnesota's defense, 
It ain't good. It's terrible. Currently ranked 31st in the league right now. Only three teams in NFL history have ranked in the bottom three in scoring defense and made the playoffs. That is just wild to me that we're having this conversation because they've been that poor on that side of the field. The 81 Chargers, the 89 Houston Oilers, and the 2000 St. Louis Rams. (laughs) None of those teams, by the way, even exist at this point. Um, I'm just saying here. So the Vikings right now, they're on pace to be the first team since the 97 Vikings to finish inside the bottom three in defense and just outside the top three in offense. They're currently seventh in offense, which, by the way, almost surprised me. I thought they were closer to like the top five. Not that there's a huge distinction between five and seven, but I do think of him in those terms. Justin Jefferson, an absolute machine. How many times has Kirk Cousins thrown that ball up in the air and it's in the vicinity of Jefferson and he just makes something happen? It's wild. But from a Kirk Cousins perspective, he's got the lowest passer rating of his career since becoming a full-time starter. A lot of what I said, by the way, can probably be applied to Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins, whose defense is 24th in the NFL. But they also got Jalen Waddle, and Tua, when he's been healthy, has had a ton of success. But offensive player of the year, is it a slam dunk? It's got to be Justin Jefferson. I don't know if it's a slam dunk, because um, I wish I could vote on this stuff, because I would vote for Justin Jefferson. 128 receptions, over 1,800 receiving yards and eight receiving TDs. And yeah, I'm president of the Bills Mafia. I can sit here and admit it on this podcast. I love the Bills right now. And when they play my Bills, (laughs) did you remember that one-handed reach back catch? I'm taking it out of the defender's two hands. He bring it out of his hands with one. I mean, that play alone. Hey, by the way, Mike Rob, how about this? Earlier in that game, Diggs had a catch that I thought was on the short list of one of the best of the season. And then later in that game, Jefferson has his. We had Diggs on Total Access, and I had asked him about that. And he's like, yeah, my catch is pretty good. But he goes, I'm not going to lie. He's like, Jefferson's is better. Because it was ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. My man was horizontal in the air. Okay? With one hand on the football. I remember seeing that, and I was like, I was mad, but I was like super amazed. I was kind of happy because I'm like, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm a football fan at first. And it's just like, yo, that catch alone might just put him there in the offensive player of the year category. But I mean, I just don't know if there's been, I mean, obviously I love Steph Diggs and the other guys around the National Football League. Other than Tyreek Hill, I don't know if there's been just another coverage dictator like a Justin Mm. Jefferson that forces the defense to move, forces the defense to kind of defend him a certain way, that makes playing quarterback a little easier. So, yeah, I I would vote for Justin Jefferson. Okay, I'm with you on the Jefferson side. To be fair, only because there was a good stretch of the season where I could have storied a path for Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. At one point, he was leading the NFL in receptions and yards and was on his third quarterback of the season. And... Obviously, they were finding ways to win. So I get it from his side. Can you just explain to me from a defensive standpoint, when a guy like Jefferson is out on the field, if Tyreek's on the field, I'll throw Kelsey into the mix as well. When those dudes are out there, what do they do to an opposing defense? All right, so you know motions and shifts and stuff like that, Yams. Yeah, you know all of that. You've been doing this thing for a long time. So like me, when I I play fullback, right, I would line up offset. I take my step and move in motion and get ready to do my blocking. Defense didn't move. They could have cared less. Guy just went in motion. So what? You know what I'm saying? When Tyreek Hill goes in motion, 
Seven guys on the defense communicate. Everybody, oh, what are we doing here? We're going here. We sort of. I mean, guys jump out of gaps. He affects the entire defense. <laughs> when uh, Travis Kelsey, whenever he does that little slow motion he does, and it looks like he's just kind of trying to, you know, just trying to fool you or something. <laughs> yes, four or five guys are communicating and locked in on Travis Kelsey. That is what they do for you. And, I, you know, I kind of explained it a little bit earlier, but when you're a quarterback and you step up to the line of scrimmage, I've been there before in college. When you step up there and you see all these colors and all of these bodies moving around, and when you think you know the coverage and you're like, okay, I think I know the coverage. I hope my receiver knows the same coverage as I do. It can get confusing. It can, it can mess you up. But when you, you got a Justin Jefferson, all right, I'm going to put Justin Jefferson on the backside of a three-by-one by himself, right? Put three receivers on one side, put Justin Jefferson by himself. And I'm just going to see how this defense React. I'm just going to look and see what they do. Okay, they're going to put a corner to his side. They're going to put a cloud safety to his side. In my head, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's raining. That's two-on-one. That means they short a guy on the other side with my three receivers. You see how easy? And again, playing quarterback is hard in the National Football League, but it does make it easier to play quarterback, especially when you got guys like, you know, Tua Tungvaloa, who hadn't seen a lot of football in the National Football League, and a Kirk Cousins who has seen a lot but hadn't had a lot of success. You need that coverage dictator, especially to make a guy like Kirk feel comfortable. Okay, so you're talking about coverage dictators, and I'm going to start with Kelsey. 110 receptions for him, so he's a little behind. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, 119, and Justin Jefferson had 128. Once again, we're talking about wide receivers in Jefferson and Tyreek versus what a tight end is getting. Not that far behind. In terms of receiving yards, Look, (laughs) Justin Jefferson was a monster. Over 1,800 yards, 1,809 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill, not far behind at 1,710. Travis Kelsey, once again, at the tight end spot, 1,300 receiving yards. It's almost unfair to do the comparison because of what Jefferson and Tyreek can do. I mean, Tyreek can catch the ball on a screen and then take it 80 yards. So it's it's a little bit, the, the yak impacts a little bit, but I'm just saying, Travis Kelsey, not far behind when you consider that he is a tight end. And then in terms of the touchdowns, Jefferson with eight, Tyreek with seven. And this is where it goes in his favor because of the position that he plays at that tight end spot, Travis Kelsey with 12. So once again, I mean, these are in some ways historic numbers for all three of these guys in different fashions when you talk about Kelsey's second most Uh, receptions, fourth most receiving yards, and the most receiving touchdowns by a tight end in NFL history in a single season. Jefferson in that conversation and Tyreek for other reasons as well. But look, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, we talked about those guys, M-Rob, but if you said to me, offensive player of the year, I still might lean towards Justin Jefferson, but I think you might be talking me into Kelsey here. Well, I would lean toward Justin Jefferson again. You know, that catch against Buffalo did it for me, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It j- j- just the difficulty of it, it did it for me. And then the numbers kind of back up what you see. And then the way the defenses respond to Justin Jefferson, to me, it backs up him getting the offensive of player of the year. But again, it, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the chemistry with Travis Kelsey, you, you just can't overlook that. And again, I don't even want to leave Tyreek Hill out of this because I think he's a wing back. He's, a, he's, a, he's playing the wide receiver position, but he's a running back for real because he's a tough tackle. I don't want to discount what he does either. But Travis Kelsey, man, I mean, it's tough to overlook those numbers and tough to overlook what he does and what he means to an offense. Yeah, I do think in a year like this year, it'll be quarterback for MVP, which is typically what we get. But I don't think it's going to be a Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes for offensive player of the year. I think it's going to be one of the three guys 
that we made reference to. Uh, if it was up to me, we would have started with defense, mm-hmm. um, but we but we didn't. It's okay. Like I get it. It's like you said, M. Rob. It's all about the offense. That's we love scoring. Yes. But well, <laughs> we've already hit the offensive guys <laughs> coming up here. I think there is a bevy of names you could throw out there for defensive player of the year and some rookies who balled out. I actually think the rookie class on the defensive side, this league is set up for a ton of success moving forward. We'll examine some of those names when we come back on the NFL Explained podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. Hey, did I not even say our names at the top of the show? I don't think I did. No, you did. No, that's my bad. It's all good, man. We got very recognizable voices. It's all good. He's the Super Bowl champ, Michael Robinson. My camp with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we we talked offense to start the show. Let's get into some of the defense. It's disappointing for me because defensive players, they're hard nosed, they're tough dudes that are out there and impact the game, and yet they don't get nearly enough love. Because defensive players don't win MVP. It's only happened, I shouldn't say never, but it basically never happens. It's only happened twice in league history. Alan Page, defensive lineman for the Vikings, he did it in 1971, also happened to capture in the process the fewest percentage of first place votes of all time with 21. They don't like they don't like the defensive dudes. And then, of course, a legend of legends, Lawrence Taylor in 86. 20 and a half sacks, 105 tackles, five passes defended, two forced fumbles. And M. Rob, I could see your face, man. The dude what? just scary. Scary. That, that was the 86. That wasn't his rookie year, was it? That, he didn't do that his rookie year. That might have been just early in his career. But oh my. 20 and a half sacks, 105 tackles. I mean, look at that, man. Dude was on one. Now, I will say this I believe he was a part of a defensive scheme that, you know, was kind of new to the National Football League at the time. And I'm not saying anything about my running backs, but he was up against backs some of those times, and we gave up some sacks to Lawrence Taylor. I don't think nobody could really block him, especially a running back. So, great. Yeah, there's not many people at all that could block a guy like LT that's out there. (laughs) This 
current version of the NFL has got some freakazoids out there on the defensive mm-hmm. side. Short list this year, I, Michael Parsons has got to be there. I'll throw in Watt's name just because when he's healthy, he's obviously kind of crazy. I mean, think about what Parsons would have been. How Look, I mean, I shouldn't say what he would have been. How we discussed him was ridiculously high praise. You know, T.J. Watt, though, had, had a sack record. So obviously he's in that conversation. Miles Garrett continues to be an absolute monster. I'll throw out both Boses, but Nick has also just specifically for one of the best defenses we've seen this year, historically good defense for the San Francisco 49ers. You tell me, M-Rob, is there a name that stands out to you as you continue to watch the tape? Nick Bosa. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mentioned nobody. It's Nick Bosa for me this year. The dude is an animal. It was only three games where he didn't have any sacks this year. 18 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, 19 tackles for a loss. He can beat you with just a bull rush. He can speed the power. He can just get around you. He plays the run. He has a spin move. He has a counter move. He, I mean, I, look, there's nothing from a defensive lineman standpoint that this dude can't do. And when he's not out there, the defense looks different. To me, he's clearly the defensive player of the year. And just kind of how we talked about uh, before about how coverage dictators are with the wide receivers and helping the quarterback play a little bit better. Well, (laughs) let me tell you something about Nick Bosa. When he's on the field, all offensive lines are sliding that way. All of them are sliding that way. Or you're going to have a tight end there or a back there. He's going to affect how many guys you get out in the route because you just got to make sure that you take care of Nick Bosa. For me, yeah, he's a defensive player of the this year. Now, I mean, you, you also mentioned my guy, Michael Parsons. Penn State, I love the dude. Love him. Love him. <laughs> I call him the natural yams. He's the natural. To know he played off-the-ball linebacker for as much as he did at Penn State and all of that, and they had him rushing from, like, the second level, he didn't play much as a defensive end, rushing the quarterback, and then he gets in the National Football League and goes ham, rushing the quarterback, right? Like, to me, that's pretty special. And he, he has a natural pass rush to him. Sometimes I think he complains a lot, and I think he would say that too if he when he looks back at the film this year about, oh, they holding me, or this, that, and the third. I mean, come on, man. That's what they're going to do to one of the top pass rushers in the National Football League. And there's times where he disappears. Hmm. To me, Nick Bosa never disappears. So, yeah, that's why I would give it to Nick Bosa. Throwing this out there, Bosa, 18 and a half sacks this season. That leads the NFL. Parsons, seventh in the NFL in sacks at 13 and a half. And Miles Garrett has got 16, which is the second highest total yeah. in the NFL. Miles Garrett, I love Miles Garrett. I, used, I I think he's the most the most physically gifted player in the National Football League. I believe that. I just believe he's only getting by by talent. Talent. I don't know. I'm not saying he's not a worker. I believe he's a worker and all of those things. But again, there's times in a game where you're like, is Miles Garrett playing? No. And for a guy that's built like that, I'm sorry. You're supposed to have an effect like Aaron Donald. You're supposed to have an effect like TJ Watt. You're supposed to have an effect like Nick Bosa, like these guys. And I don't know. It's just there's times he just doesn't show up. I want to shift our attention to some of the young guys, M-Rob, the rookies. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that we're having the the conversation around wide receivers because there's been so many this season who have been really good. Garrett Wilson certainly comes to mind. Christian Watson, what he was able to do at the end of the season, really coming on strong. 
Sunday night of week 18, there was that quote from Watson. I, I Maybe it was Collinsworth who relayed the story, but he said, there was a moment where I was thinking to myself, like, I don't want to let Aaron Rodgers down. You know, like you could sort of tell, like as the season went on, he just got more comfortable being a teammate to Aaron Rodgers as opposed to looking at him like, oh my God, like that dude's Aaron Rodgers. Chris Olave throughout the course of the entire season, really, really productive. I thought Kenneth Walker was the difference maker for Seattle down the stretch. Damian Pierce came on kind of like gangbusters earlier in the season, did cool a little bit, but I felt like every time you watch one of those games, Rob, defensive line was already in the backfield every time Damian Pierce got, yes. got the football. That was yes. tough sledding for him. Uh, and I'll throw out Brock Purdy. How about this dude? Mr. Irrelevant, you're the last pick of the NFL draft in what was perceived as a not great quarterback class. And yet you got an opportunity to lead the team to a Super Bowl. You're 5-0 and as a starter. Why not have him maybe in that conversation for rookie, offensive rookie of the year? I think if he would have been playing like since like week three or four, yeah. But no, five game jams, absolutely not. No. And, and yes, Kyle Shanahan has done a marvelous job manufacturing offense and helping Brock Purdy out. And I think he's played well. He really has. He has a little, he has some moxie about him. But at the end of the day, I just... The sample size just it just isn't big enough for me. Kenneth Walker is the offensive rookie of the year for me. Hmm. When he was coming out, I said this was my top back in the draft last year. I did not call him Ladanian. I called him Ladanian Nish. You know what I'm saying? Just because when I watch him on tape, he kind of looks like him. I'm not saying he has the long speed. Not saying he's gonna be a Hall of Famer, but he just attacks the line of scrimmage like LT. And so, um, yeah, man, I I think he was the foundation for this Seahawks offense. He had over 1,000 yards. Um, Rashad Penny went down earlier in the season. He stepped right in and got going. They had two rookie tackles on the outside, and he still got 1,000 yards. And uh, Yams, he finished the year with 300-yard games. He even had a 167-yard game against the Chargers earlier in this season. This dude can run the football. And my old coach, Pete Carroll, I finally seen him smile and, and like look like he was having fun again. I hadn't seen him look like he was having fun in a long time, and I— and if I had to put my finger on it, to me, it's because of the run game. It's because, uh, you know, it is, it's laid the foundation for what Geno Smith was able to do and be one of the most accurate passers in all of football this year through play action passing from that Shane Waldron offense. But it starts with Kenneth Walker III scaring opposing defenses. This dude can get through little cracks and crevices that not a lot of backs can. Look, and that was the recipe for success when you were there in Seattle, right? You yeah. had beast mode and things worked out pretty, pretty well there. Kenneth Walker, by the way, leading all rookies in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. To be fair, Damian Pierce didn't play the last four weeks of the season. Uh, but on the front end, Kenneth Walker wasn't out there at the beginning of the season. So nonetheless, huge impact. I think there's a really strong case for Garrett Wilson, yes, Jets wide receiver, 83 catches yeah. for him, over 1,100 receiving yards. Can you imagine if there was a more steady fixture at the quarterback spot for Gang Green? I mean, it's impressive that he did what he did, knowing the revolving door quarterback that they had. Very impressive. And it was hard for me not to talk about those Ohio State receivers, because I'm going to be honest with you, Gang. I'm just going to yeah. keep it real. And maybe it's because I went to Penn State. I didn't think those guys was going to be this good. I did. I looked down at Chris Olave with, with the Saints, especially when I saw Jameis Winston wasn't going to get the nod. I'm like, okay, Andy Dalton, you know, they don't have Sean Payton. Ain't no way this man going to get 1,000 yards. Yeah. He goes out there and does it and becomes pretty dominant toward the end of the season as well. Garrett Wilson, early in the season, no way I, did, I thought this dude was going to look like this late in the season. He's catching passes, getting up, talking. I mean, he looked like he belonged. 
And I remember being a rookie myself, Yams, and I remember always calling my brother back at home like, yo, did you watch the game? Did you watch the game? And the first question all rookies want to know is, how did I look? Like, forget about the numbers. But did I look like I was supposed to be out there? Like, do I look like I'm a little kid out there? Do I look like a man? You know what I'm saying? Do I look like I'm supposed to be out there with NFL players? And this dude, Garrett Wilson, man, I think it was probably week six or seven, man. He just exploded in it because yeah. that kid has a bright future. He's got to get the quarterback position sold up in um, with New York. Yeah, that's a big question for the offseason that they're going to have to figure out. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Am, M. Rob with you. M. Rob, I know I loved up Watson just a little bit. It, it was like he was rolling out of bed at the end of the season and just finding a way into the end zone, uh, tied for the lead among rookies with nine total touchdowns. So just a little bit of a hat tip and give some credit where credit is due with the with the wide receiver. Defensive rookie of the year. To me, this is awesome. For as much as we could talk about the offensive players, this rookie class on the defensive side, I'll actually start with Seattle. Tariq Woolen. This was a guy that was a converted wide receiver at UTSA. Fastest dude. I mean, we watched that combine. Are you kidding me with that 426? Wow. Ridiculous. Emron, he is balled out. I don't know if he is defensive rookie of the year. Jalen Petrie is certainly a guy that comes to mind. Aiden Hutchinson's another player. I don't think we talk nearly enough about James Houston. Got to see him in person before the draft. This is an HBCU kid out of Jackson State, mm-hmm. and granted had some experience at the Power 5 level before he transferred. He has been a monster for Detroit. Sauce Gardner, speaking of the Jets, my God, like think oh. about these guys who have really thrived in year number one. That's not easy to do on the defensive side, I'm Rob. Not easy at all. So you you mentioned Tyreek Woolen first. I called the Seahawks preseason games. Hopefully I do it again this upcoming preseason. And one of the first guys I ran into when I was up there was Tyreek Woolen. And Pete Carroll was, he was smiling. He was like, Mike, dude, I got I got one. I got one of those guys. I'm like, Pete, what you talking about? Pete loves big, long corners, i.e. Brandon Browner, i.e. Richard Sherman, right? This dude's longer than Richard Sherman. He's bigger than Richard Sherman. And he's a lot. Faster. I don't know if I've seen a guy that big 
pick him up and put him down like we see Tyreek Woolen do. And I remember talking to Clint Hurts, the defense coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks during the preseason. And he was like, Mike, this kid is special. I just want to see him tackle. And in the first couple games of the season, he went out there, he tackled, he showed he wasn't scared, and he made a Pro Bowl. So, yeah, Tyreek Woolen is a dog. But for me, it's Aiden Hutchinson. Wow. Aiden Hutchinson, from game one, from snap one to the last snap he had this past weekend against the Green Bay Packers, knocking him out the playoffs, he has looked like he belonged in the National Football League. He has looked like a five- or six-year vet. I mean, really, man, I mean, fundamentally sound. Strong hands, understand hand play, understand how to share blockers. Reminds me of a Khalil Mack in that regard. Not his complete game reminds me of Khalil Mack, but just the way he sheds and get after the quarterback. And then, like, the splash plays that he's had, man. He's got interceptions and everything. I mean, he picked up three interceptions this year. And one of them, he was just kind of looked like he was hiding out on the sideline. I mean, he caught it, right? Talking about he ain't had this much fun. In, in his entire life playing football. I just think he's part of that new energy that Coach Campbell has brought into Detroit. To me, he was clearly the rookie defense. Now, okay, I can't say clearly because uh, Sauce Gardner, some some quarterbacks didn't even look over there. They don't want to go his way. They, yep. they ain't go there. I don't even want to look over there. Dude has got that field covered. And to me, it was surprising the respect that a rookie corner got from quarterbacks in this league. I, I really hadn't seen that type of respect from a Jets player since Darrell Revis had his island over there um, in those Rex Ryan defenses. So, yeah, man, for me, it had to be Aiden Hutchinson. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm thinking about the NFL draft, which is around the corner. Uh, I've been getting my notes ready on some of these guys here. It does put into question the conversations that we have about some of these defensive players. Like Sauce Gardner, we we knew he'd be good. We thought he'd be good. He's a kid out of Cincinnati, though. Like, you just didn't know. You were talking about level of competition. Remember what we were discussing about Aiden Hutchinson? Oh, a safe pick. Like, is he is he close yep. to his ceiling? <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, okay. Tariq Woolen, a little bit of a steal late in the draft. You know, six interceptions this guy's got here and yet thriving on the football field. It really, it's kind of cool to see some of these guys have success early on in their career, M-Rob, and know what the conversation on the draft was. Like, give these dudes an opportunity. Let's see how they play. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. And look at what he's doing right now. I, and this- he's out there and, he, and, and he's given an opportunity to play. And that's why, I, you know, I do some life coaching with young kids in high school and college and things like that. And I'm just like, dude, it doesn't matter. You just need to get there. You're going to get it. If you get there, you get an opportunity. Don't look at where you were drafted and don't take it as a slight or whatever. If you want to keep that little chip on your shoulder to use it as motivation, that's one thing. But don't 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 get upset about it. You when you get your opportunity, go ball out. Guy like Brock Purdy, he's done that. Yeah. And Robbie, you know, a lot of times and I know you do this, too. You get asked to go as a guest on radio shows. This morning I was a guest on one. And the last question they asked me is the question I'll ask you. It was. Who should be coach of the year? I had zero hesitation and went right for the jugular with the guy that I think should be coach of the year. But I will lay this out here. There's there's some really good candidates. And just for context, if you go back to 2015 and look at a team's record the year following their head coach winning head coach of the year honors, 
those teams have a winning percentage of just 55%. So for as good as we can love up some of these guys, man, that's some work. It's it's not over after this season. So there's always a little bit of a catch here. I'll throw out some of the candidates. Nick Sirianni comes to mind. Eagles, one seed. A lot of times we might just gravitate towards the team that's got just the best record and look at what they've done. So I think Sirianni's name will be there. I don't think he wins, though. Kyle Shanahan, a two seed in the NFC, third Quarterback this season, another rookie who's out there. Maybe, sort of. There's Brian Dayball. Here we go. The Giants. I mean, you would have told the Giants fan they'd be in the postseason. I think you make an argument they're the most underrated team in the NFC in the postseason picture. First time since 2016. Look at the wide receivers that he's got out there. They're still making plays. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Does it sound like I just said who, who I'm going with? Yes. Uh, you, you, okay, I, my obviously, you're a Brian Dayball guy. I am. Okay. I am. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. Uh, Doug Peterson, look at the turnaround for the Jags. Uh, yes. And I'll throw this out there. I don't know if Sean McDermott gets this in Buffalo, gets this award. But I got to tell you, I look at him on the sidelines all these years and I go, stoic, kind of hard-nosed. You know, what we witnessed over the last, you know, few days on DeMar Hamlin and his handling of that situation, hearing the comments from Zach Taylor about what the dialogue was like on the football field and knowing that McDermott's like, yo, man, like, I can't coach. I got to go to the hospital here. That human element, I don't know if he wins coach of the year. I just think this is a good opportunity just to hat tip, Yo, man, like awesome job by you, because that's not that's not easy. It's not. I mean, all these guys you mentioned, they have a a level of realness to them. Yeah. That's why I love them all. All of them. I wouldn't care if anybody you just named won coach of the year. Seriously, they have a level of realness about them and authenticity that I think helps their teams out. And it permeates throughout the locker room. It gives their players a sense of self, a sense of community, a sense of family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Nick Sirianni, I mean, some of the press conferences he's done, the way he's had Jalen Hurts back throughout the entire season, the way he's managed the different personalities, you know what I mean? Because when you have a good roster, trust me, Ams, there's personalities you have to manage, okay? That's part of it. You know what I'm saying? Kyle Shanahan, you thought you were starting the season off with one quarterback, this quarterback that you moved up in the draft to go get. You told your starting quarterback that got you to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, hey, man, sit off to the side. Matter of fact, don't even show up to the building no more because you're going to have a, you know, you're going to be a distraction for the guy we really want to play quarterback. The guy we really want to play quarterback gets hurt. Now, the guy we told us there, we got to come in. I mean, just so much. And now you're playing with Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant. He deserves it. Brian Dayball is winning with Daniel Jones. And that's what it is. <laughs> Call me a exactly. Bill's Mafia guy. <laughs> I, I would have to go with Sean McDermott. I, I'm sorry. Wow. Um, okay. To be able to manage a team through some of the things that this team had to deal with this year, whether it's the weather and they had a home game, they found out in the week, oh, you know what? We're not playing here. You're going to get snowed in. We're going to figure out a way to take you to Detroit. It's going to count as your home game, but you're away. You know what I'm saying? And they dealt with that. They dealt with all the weather there in Buffalo. You dealt with the death of Dawson Knox's brother who, you know, Dawson's a key figure in that organization. So it, it touched a lot of guys in that locker room. And then obviously DeMar Hamlin. I mean, to, to hear the stories and hear, you know, Coach McDermott recount what, you know, the decisions that were made and his thought process. He was very transparent throughout his press conferences and everything. And Yams, I don't know how many human beings would have been able to get a locker room full of 53 men ready to go out there after seeing that. 
I mean, we're gladiators. And to have that happen on a football field while they were playing, that's an eerie thing. I talked to a lot of guys throughout this past week, and there were a lot of guys that were like, yo, I probably would have sent in my retirement papers. I'm, I'm, I, you know what I mean? I know guys that said that to me. And for him to have the week that he had and get those guys motivated to go out there and play the New England Patriots, one of the greatest coaches in Bill Belichick of all time, who's going to have his team ready. He did. I mean, that, that, that says something, man. And, you know, I tweeted that uh, after the game, uh, after the Bills game, that Coach McDermott, somebody need to get that man a beer. Something. Just, just chill out and take a breath. Um, because I just think it's very difficult to, to deal with those circumstances. Then you got your, your all-star quarterback saying, I don't know if anybody could have handled it better. And then to know that all Sean McDermott said was, I was just doing what I thought was right. Yeah, I was doing what I thought was right. I don't know, man. I said it on the Bills podcast a couple of days ago. I don't know, man. It gives you a, new, a newfound perspective and energy and optimism about the human spirit and about, you know, our society, man, because um, the way everything came together this past week for the Buffalo Bills was pretty crazy, led by Sean McDermott. Yeah, no, you're, I think you make a lot of really good points. I'd say two things. One, I'm glad I gave my guy first um, because <laughs> now, now, I don't know if I could have said my guy after you said your guy. That's one. And then two, I feel bad for saying my guy after you just no, laid out the terms man. for for McDermott. But I, look, oh, it's it's it is unprecedented times. I know we hear that phrase a lot. There are certain coaches that are in leadership roles, and I'm not just talking about the NFL. I just mean in life, various sports, professional college that shouldn't be leading, shouldn't be leaders because they're not leaders. McDermott it's abundantly clear, like he is a true leader in every sense of the word. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, shocked, or disappointed if Sean McDermott ends up being coach of the year, which also leads us to comeback player of the year. Front runner, I, I don't Gino, is it Gino? Maybe, uh, maybe we can go in that direction. Dude's been in the league for almost 10 years. He's been a starter yeah. before. He, he started all the 16 games for the Jets back in 2013. 12 touchdowns, <clears throat> 21 interceptions. You hear what I'm saying mm. here? A completion percentage oh. that was under 56%. Uh, those are not jaw... Well, they're kind of jaw-dropping when you throw 21 interceptions. So <laughs> here we go. Fast, fast forward, man. We're <laughs> Right? Like we're talking about a pro bowler here this season. Just sort of this magical run. Fifth in passer rating and nearly three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Broke Russell Wilson's team record for the most passing yards in a season. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. I think there's some other guys. We can touch on them. But is Gino the clear favorite for this? I don't know if he's the clear favorite. Um, but I like I like this Geno Smith story. Uh, I really do. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. What did Geno say early in the season? They wrote me off. I ain't right back. Well, Geno, <laughs> yeah, man. My letter was in the mail, man. I wrote you off, bro. I sure did. You know what I'm saying? And I had an opportunity to tell Geno this, you know, in person, man. We laughed about it. But. You got to be built a certain way to take the journey Geno Smith took. You got to have a certain belief in self. You got to have a certain personality about yourself. You have to be real with yourself. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, yes, this is my circumstances. This is the hand that I'm dealt. I'm going I'm gonna to do what I got to do with it. And that's what Geno did. He came in, he backed up Russell Wilson. He saw the lay of the land and he saw that there was an opportunity. There was going to be a job open here. And um, he knew the offense. And Gino, just to let you know, Mike, 
talking to him over this offseason, Geno thought that Drew Locke would get that job. And wow. looking at the situation, the Seahawks gave Drew Locke every opportunity to take that no job. Doubt. Every single opportunity. And I remember having some, you know, some personal uh, conversations with Geno, and I'm just like, Geno, I'm telling you, man, support Drew if he gets the job. You know what I'm saying? Because you never know when your opportunity is going to come up. You know what I'm saying? But just keep being you. Just keep not turning the football over. I know Coach Carroll. He is a defensive coach. Don't turn the football over, bro. You'll be all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Understand how to get the team in the, in, you know, in the right play. You got to stand. Your head coach is a defensive coach. And um, Geno played it well, man. He went out there and he performed. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the National Football League. And again, we talked about Kenneth Walker earlier in the episode. That play-action pass and had my old coach and Pete Carroll smiling again. Uh, so I would say that I, I do think he's the leader in the clubhouse. I would go with your guy Saquon Barkley, though, man, from the from the uh, from the New York Giants, and he's my guy too. Penn State, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just I could hear the naysayers starting to say that this generational talent was a bust. And I remember telling Saquon that, like, bro, at some point you're gonna have to have one of them years, man. And he just had bad luck. It was yeah. a lot of health issues. He was the really the only guy offensively that they were leaning on. He would run the ball five, six times in a row. And when you're a running back in, in this league, that, that's when the injuries start to pile up. He stayed healthy. His quarterback helped him out this year. And Brian Dayball helped him out this year with the play calling and the way he got him to football. So I would go with Saquon Barkley. Only two games in 2020 and had, uh, what, 593 yards yeah. in 13 games in 2021. And now he has over 1,300 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns with a four and a half yards per carry at rush average. So I would, I would go with Saquon Barkley as comeback player of the year. I'll throw out two other names for you. If you go Barkley and you reference the injuries, I'll say Christian McCaffrey right there. Ten games over the previous two seasons, and yet here in San Francisco, we knew once he got into this offense, we felt good about him thriving nearly 1,900 scrimmage yards this season. Just, wow, that's jaw-dropping, and he's done it in so many different ways for this team's offense. And Jared Goff, man, like, I was rooting for this dude. I felt bad for him to kind of get pushed out of town after getting to a Super Bowl and just not being a part of the Rams and then going to Detroit where there wasn't a track record of success. We watched his story unfold on hard knocks. I love this, man. I, I hope he gets more opportunities and they continue to put more pieces around him. The last two years proved to real Mike Rock that Jared Goff was picked where he was supposed to be picked. Because before that, yeah. I was like, bruh, uh, I don't know about this guy. I mean, the performance he had against the Green Bay Packers at the end of the season, I mean, all of those things, man. I think he played himself into a long-term okay. job with the Lions. Yeah, I agree with you. It's tough to find that quarterback, and I think in a lot of ways, Dan Campbell's been a perfect marriage for him, for, for Jared Goff as well. I uh, cannot wait to find out if M-Rob is right across the board on his predictions. NFL Honors, February 9th, 9 Eastern Time on NBC and Peacock. It is awesome to celebrate a lot of the individual success that these players have been able to garner here. M. Rob, always good to be with you, my friend, and we'll do it again. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 